This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number for him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, Martha, we fuel the faith and work movement five days a week. And today we head off to the Windy City. I'm ready for that. And they don't just talk about their politics being windy, but everything else is windy <laughs> there, too. Hey, we want to thank you for tuning in to I Work For Him today. Make sure you check us out online, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. On there, you can get uh, access to the I Work For Him Nation, where you can find the challenge out there to making a difference in your workplace by praying for your coworkers and employees each and every day by name. And on Facebook, Martha, people can find us where? Just on I Work For Him. And it's the number four. And we just hope that people are finding good information there. We have lots of fun photos and videos and things like that to just walk along through this um, journey with us. So on Facebook, I work for him. On Instagram, I work for him. Radio. Radio. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. I'm learning these things right as we go. That's okay. Hey, we want to thank you for tuning in all over the state of Florida and then all across the country in Tampa, in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Folkestone, Georgia, Carrollton, Georgia, Jasper, Florida. We want to thank you for tuning in. And we just want to let you know that you can always get a hold of us on our I Work For Him listener line. Well, you don't get a hold of us. You can leave us a message. We love encouraging messages. We love to hear from you. Get us some perspective. Maybe you've got a, a reference, a referral for us of somebody who's got a phenomenal testimony that we'd like to hear. Yeah, so I don't want people to be shy. I want them to really um, take advantage of that and leave us a message. Whether you're calling in, we have a book sponsor that highlights a book every day um, that we would love to get in the hands of our listeners. Sometimes we have an author on. Yesterday we had an author that we were able to share multiple copies of books. So please don't be shy. Dial in to 866-713-9675. That's 866-713-WORK. That's right, 866-713-9675. You've all seen them, and many of you have read them. Advice columns, Dear Abby, Dear Condo Expert, Dear Criminal Lawyer. The world is constantly seeking wisdom. But where do you go when you're in a jam at work? I would say the Bible's the best place to find any wisdom on any subject, but sometimes that's just not where you want to go. The world isn't going to go the Bible, so you got to bring the wisdom of the Bible to the world. I'd like to introduce the I Work For Him audience to Lindsay Novak. Lindsay Novak is, listen to this, she's a certified life and executive coach and a nationally syndicated workplace columnist. Her journey began behind the cameras on TV in the Windy City, and it takes her all the way to I Work For Him. Lindsay Novak, welcome to I Work For Him. Hello. Hi. 
Nice Thank to actually finally have you on the air. You bet. It's so great. I'm, we've been working on this for so many months. So glad that you were able to connect with us today and be on the air. I can't wait for our listeners just to hear from your heart today. So, Lindsay, you're an author. You're a writer. You're a resident, as we said, of the Windy City. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Okay, I'm going to take you from the start. Uh, when I was seven, I wanted to go to church with my best friend, and my parents said, if you want to go, you have to study all religions. Well, that's just not something a seven-year-old wants to do, so I used to wait for her to come home from church. They said, when you get old enough, you can decide. And so I did always pray, um, but because I had no religious upbringing, I always prayed, dear God, dear Jesus, or whoever's in power. But I knew, <laughs> I just knew in my heart there was a supreme being. I, there had to be, that it, it, it couldn't be left to just humans. Um, so I always prayed and just felt a connection. But then when I was in college freshman year, I had a, a, a traumatic experience, horrifying. I won't go into the detail. But it happened to me when I was on the way to a ski meeting, and the ski meeting happened to be held at a church. So I went, I, I ran there. The minute I got in, I was the last one into the meeting. They were fill, had everybody fill out their names and numbers, put it in a box. There had to be several hundred, maybe 500 students there uh, for this ski meeting and the raffle. And I was so upset and distraught. I sat in the back and I sobbed quietly, but I prayed and I prayed saying, I need to know you're here because of everything I've gone through. I need to know that, that you're real and please, Jesus, I need a sign and I need an absolute sign. And, and I said, so a clear sign to me would be, let me be one of the three finalists for the raffle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I made it really difficult and I made it detailed. And I said, but I don't want to win the final skis because I have skis, but I, I don't want to win. I just want to know that, that you're hearing me. And when they chose the winners, I was one of the final three, and I did not win the final raffle. And I just, I mean, I was like, I had been sobbing, but now I guess my spiritual connection was complete mm -hmm. because he, he answered in such detail. I mean, things that you just wouldn't you wouldn't think. And and I think it was because it wasn't that I was praying for the skis. I wanted to know he was there. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to just stop you right there. We're talking today with Lindsay <laughs> Novak. She's a columnist, a workplace columnist, and I really wanted the I Work Room audience to get introduced to you, to introduce to Lindsay Novak today. And she's calling in from the Windy City. And, and Lindsay, now I know that that's when you first really realized that Christ became part of your life right there. What was next in the story? Um, well, the other part of it, which was really ironic, we were, we were leaving the church, and I had been in a debate class, and the person I was debating against, I was arguing that there was God. He was a former Catholic, and he was arguing that, that there was no God. And so on the way out, I ran into him. 
And he looked at me and very sarcastically said, oh, I suppose you prayed to win. And I said, as a matter of fact, I did. I, I asked to be one of the finalists, but I didn't want the skis. So it was um, it, it was funny. I don't know if it actually converted him, you know. I don't know if he really felt that, that God was real, but he questioned it. Um, yeah. And the debate we had was, was wonderful because he just backed down. So... So that cemented it for me. Wow, that's fantastic. So what I love about that story is that God, he just revealed himself to you. He became real to you. And, and along those lines, then you became a columnist, a columnist at the Chicago Tribune. You, 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 you For years, for decades, you've been writing workplace columns. But through that, the, the tone of your columns took a turn because of a significant event that happened in your life. We've got a few minutes left before the break. Talk about okay. what happened. Okay. Um, I had, um, I felt great one, I mean, I felt great one day. I went to an art fair and I came home and I passed out and woke up surrounded by blood and I was bleeding to death. I was rushed to the hospital and I had 10 to 12 blood transfusions. Um, and during that period, I crossed over, and I remember... Um, what do you mean by that, just so people are following us? I didn't have enough blood to live, and they, you know, they can't rush blood into you, mm-hmm. so I crossed over, and I was with God. And when it happened, I could hear them immediately, and I could see into their faces I could hear the head nurse saying, Lindsay, Lindsay, and then announce to them we're losing her. And I could see into each of their faces, there were six of them, a doctor and the rest uh, ICU nurses. And I could see that they were working with joy. It wasn't a job. It was their calling. And, And I felt these waves of love and peace and joy running through me. And when I was with God, I had no more life on earth. I mean, I had owned a condo at the time. I'm a huge animal lover. I had two dogs. None of that existed anymore. I was with God. So he sent me back because of a prayer. And the prayer was to not let any of them feel as though they failed if they couldn't save me. Lindsay, how did God move you into being a columnist? I mean, how did you get started writing a workplace column? I used to read Ann Landers, and I I was working, you know, different full-time jobs, and I thought, she deals with personal issues, but she can't deal with the workplace. And as I went from different jobs to different jobs, I thought, I'm going to combine, I had a degree in communications and psychology, and I thought, I'm going to combine this and answer people's workplace problems. And um, you had mentioned how I changed. I've always been for positive solutions. But when I returned from crossing over, I felt that that. It was my mission. I guess it's the only way to put it. It was my mission to show people you are not competing against other people. The only competition is yourself. 
and there is a positive solution to everything. You don't have to crush somebody. In fact, you shouldn't. Mm. Um, and, and in the workplace, I saw so much backbiting and gossip, and there's no need for it. It's harmful. It does nothing but spread negativity. So, so that was my mission in answering problems. I mean, it's one of those things. It's such a unique approach to be able to talk about the workplace. And, and everybody's got questions, but they don't even know where to go with those questions. They're, they're, they're confused. They're concerned. Well, you know, and Lindsay, I just want to speak to what you just said is what you felt your mission was, because so many people don't even realize that they've been taught to crush and to conquer and to, you know, um, annihilate everybody along the way. So um, right. it. For you to be able to speak that into people in a place where they're receiving advice is powerful because for some, it might even be the first time maybe they've ever even heard that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, and it it fits in with, with your mission because I think our society teaches people that winning means that only one person wins and that means someone has to lose, but that isn't the case. And, and it really is a sad way to live life. Uh, because you don't have to have a loser to have a winner. Right. And what's really cool is that with God, there's always a win-win if we just give him a chance. And, right. and you know, so I, just going back to your crossing over experience, you know, uh, there mm-hmm. have been many people that have written books about being dead for 90, 90 minutes in heaven was a book that wrote, you know, some people right. have, have had these near death experiences, which that would call that you had a death experience, but you didn't get to leave forever. You didn't get to leave permanently yet. You know, you got, right. to, but you got to experience a little bit of the afterlife for a, whether it was a few seconds, a few minutes, you don't really know. You know, Lazarus had been in the grave for four days and, and had to come back. How did that impact how you've walked those days since that that time. It was 2009, right, when that happened? Um, Yes, 2009. So how has that changed your perspective on life here on Earth? Okay, the the most interesting thing is when they released me from the hospital and I walked back into my condo, it, it was a beautiful environment. And I walked in and I thought, if somebody walked in right now, and said, gee, I like that, and I like that, I would have said, take it. That I I looked at all the material possessions, and it didn't have any of the meaning that it used to have for me. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I I bought things. I I liked art. I liked pottery. I liked jewelry. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I did good for people, but I liked material possessions. And I walked in and none of it had any meaning. And it wasn't that I felt like I had to just get rid of it. But if someone else had expressed how much they liked it, I would have been happy to give it to them. So it just, it changed my whole value system. Mm. You know, it made I feel- me realize it wasn't important. I can, I, it's reminding me of a time when I went to the Dominican for a missions trip and I came home and the things of my home felt very empty um, because I, you know, I had seen the world from a different perspective and I don't equate with what you're going through, but I, or, you know, your experience, but I remember Mm -hmm. that, that similar um, concept of, you know, this isn't what matters. The, the stuff here is so dull and I can imagine um, that maybe that's a little bit of 
of what you were sensing. But I, it sounds like that gave you a whole new perspective on everything around you. Oh, it did. It did. I mean, because even though I was, uh, I always had a helping nature, mm-hmm. but then you realize that this isn't what what your core value should be made up of. Right. That, well, being with God was, it's, um, it was truly the meaning of awesome. I know everybody uses awesome <laughs> as this, this buzzword, you know, and, and after experiencing being with God, that's the only thing that I can actually say has been awesome in my life. <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've experienced a lot and there's a lot of beauty. Sure. Um, there's beauty in nature, but, but to feel the waves that I kept feeling rushing through me and, and it, it sounds funny, but to be a spirit and to not have the existence of your physical body and your, your living environment. And I didn't have my, I mean, I had nothing. Right. I was with God and that was it. It was a permanent and, paradigm shift. I, I, I love that. All yeah. right. Yeah. We're talking today with Lindsay Novak out of Chicago as we're talking about her life as a, a syndicated columnist where she talked to people. She had a dear Lindsay column. It was all about workplace. How do I handle this? How do I handle that in my workplace? And she's had some incredible spiritual experiences as God has become very real to her. You can check her out online at lindsayparkernovak.com, lindsayparkernovak.com. We'll have those links, of course, on our Facebook page. Lindsay, when you hear the name, I work for him, how does that resonate with you? I, it's, it's sort of the meaning of my life, even though it's your radio station. I, I think our missions are the same, that, that everybody has to work, typically, um, and when people work, I think they need to be aware of everybody. Um, it's empathy is really what Jesus stood for. That let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And I think people don't think of those things when they're at work. They Again, they just think about achievements, getting ahead, outshining their coworkers. And you don't have to make, you don't, someone doesn't have to be in the dark for you to shine. <laughs> and as long as you're putting all your energy into positive efforts, that's all you need. People will recognize you. Mm, for sure. So, Lindsay, I picked this verse today. It's called, it's Proverbs one twenty, And it says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. Um, tell us where you got your wisdom in order to be able to answer the questions that people bring to you. I, th- I think part of it was my experience in witnessing behavior that I that my gut told me was wrong. It was wrong. I, I had people coming to me in, in one job in particular, which I, w- I won't name the job, but mm-hmm. I was in it for, you know, six to seven years. And people would come and they'd complain about what other people were doing. And then people would come in and sit in my office and tell me what they were planning on doing to someone else. And I remember thinking, I can't expose them because they're talking to me in confidence. But, but I tried, I tried showing them that they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to outdo somebody that Mm. if they just put their energy into something and so 
I think the wisdom came, it really came from the golden rule that you, you should never lose sight that there are other people um, who are just as important. And it doesn't matter if you're over people or if you're a subordinate, that they're humans. I mean, mm-hmm. we, and if everybody operated from the heart with respect for people, I mean, really, there'd be no evil. <laughs> yeah. It would be a different world, that's yeah, for sure. That's right. So how do people follow you online? What's the best way for people to follow your writing? Um, online, they can go to the, well, I have it, Syndicate, Creator Syndicate has it on their website, but I also have it on my website, um, and it's in newspapers in the business sections, but to get it quickly, you go online to www.lindsayparkernovak.com. On my home page, if they scroll down to the lower half, there's a link directly to my column. Oh, fantastic. All right. Lindsay, why don't you talk about what your, uh, well, do we have our other caller? We do. All right, Lindsay, hang on just a second to that question. I didn't get a chance to ask you. We've got Scott Ramsey on the line. Scott is with Office Pride Commercial Office Cleaning, the franchise division. Scott, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, I wanted to find out, you know, we, we, you guys joined us as a supporter, a sponsor of the I Work For Him radio program. We wanted to give everybody a chance to understand this franchise opportunity available through Office Pride. What is that all about? Sure. We're looking for... Um, people who want to own their own business, someone who wants to be a a part of not only owning but growing a faith-based business in in their area. So what we're specifically targeting are uh, the areas of Lakeland, Brandon, North Tampa, St. Pete, and Jacksonville. Those are areas that we'd really love to, to connect with somebody that would love to look at the opportunity of owning their own faith-based business and and to grow them in those areas. And you're not just looking for somebody that wants to clean offices. You're looking for people that want to run a business and hire people. You're looking for somebody to run the business, not necessarily just do the to the uh, commercial office cleaning, correct? Exactly. We're not, we're not looking for somebody that wants to buy a job. We're looking for, like you said, somebody that wants to own a business. And our particular business in Office Pride happens to be commercial cleaning. And, yes, uh, you're exactly right, Jim. All right. So talk to me about – did you have a question, Martha? You look like you were going to ask a question. Well, I was just thinking about the fact that, um, you know, you – I guess to speak a little bit to the fact that they – don't just buy this and they're on their own, that you guys have such a great structure behind your business. Um, I just think it's exciting for people to get connected to. Tell us about that, Scott. I mean, if somebody, if somebody comes to you guys and decides to buy the Office Pride franchise and, and become, I mean, it, you guys are going to mentor and disciple them. And this is all about being a Christ-centered business owner, isn't it? Oh, most definitely. You know, how, how much more support can you have than having uh, not – you know, when we say faith-based, we don't just mean, you know, some faith, but we're talking about our Father God, right? Right. And, you know, what you know, what better support can you have than that? But so our goal is to make sure that as a business owner, they have the support and encouragement they need to be successful, to reach their dreams, because as we help them reach their dreams, they're going to be successful. Mm, I love that. People can get a hold of you, Scott Ramsey. How do they get a hold of you online? What's the website? Yes, 
one place for them to go and just kind of research it and take a look at it to see if it's something that's really going to be a good fit for them is officepridefranchise.com. Just like it sounds, officepridefranchise.com. Very good. And there's two different ways they can reach me, um, by phone and by email. My phone is 727-754-5991. Mm-hmm. And then my email is very simple, scottramsey at officepride.com. You know, I want to make sure the listeners understand why we're – why you know, we are very picky about those uh, businesses and ministries that support I Work For Him. We are always looking for people that truly are living out their faith in their work, and Office Pride is doing that. And they had opportunities in both of the markets that we're broadcasting in uh, on a regular basis, Tampa, the Tampa Bay area and the Jacksonville area, and I wanted to make sure everybody knew about it. And I'm so excited, Scott Ramsey. Thank you so much for sharing about this opportunity. I look forward to talking with you more next month. I love it. We'll talk to you soon, Scott Thank Ramsey. You, Thanks Jim for calling Martha. in. Thanks, Scott. Yes. Bye. All right, we're going back to Lindsay Novak. Lindsay, thanks for your patience. Just wanted to make sure everybody knew more about one of our our new sponsors. Sure, Lindsay, you have been writing columns for so many years. What do you? <laughs> well, which which I love that because I mean, there's there's. What, do you have a common question? I mean, people are writing, "Dear Lindsay, what what is the most common workplace question that you get asked?" Well, then now the most common problem is working for bad bosses, mm. you know, combined with bad management. But, you know, it, it trickles down. Yes. So when a company, you know, when a CEO doesn't care and, and his vice presidents don't care, it, it trickles down to the department heads and how, how they treat everybody. So it's the type of thing where um, you don't get away from environment. The, the culture creates bad bosses. <laughs> wow. The culture creates bad and, and And it is so true. Culture is so powerful in today's workplaces. So when you were writing for the syndicated column, you know, under the, I know you were on the Chicago Tribune, you're in many other places, you get to communicate biblical values, but you couldn't mention Jesus or the Bible. How did you incorporate that biblical wisdom without putting the word Bible or Jesus or God in there? Well, because, sure, because newspapers are secular, and um, I think it just came through following, um, it sounds um, silly, but it's the golden rule, that if you always keep the other person in mind, you're going to come up with solutions where both people win. Hmm. That and, and I would always ask people, what, what is your desired outcome. What do you want? And if somebody mentioned a problem and wanting to do something to someone else that was negative, you you just ask them, what do you have to gain by that? I think a lot of people, they, when they get into an uncomfortable situation, their goal is to get out of it. And they're not thinking about the other person anymore. So if somebody's mistreating you, they might be happy, unhappy too. So people don't typically say, oh, he had a bad day and that's why he's being like this. But you just have to consider that everybody has lives, everybody has problems. Yeah, I mean, that's so true. Martha taught me that years ago when I was struggling with a, a, a certain person in my life. And she goes, you know what? Hurting people, they hurt people. 
So, and that's so important to recognize right. that a lot of times the reason they're hurting others is they're hurting themselves. All right, let's let's Absolutely. look at some of these articles. Okay, so I'm going to read the question mm-hmm. that you were sent in, and and, and I'll back probably way back when when you started this, people sent that in via mail, then it went to email, then they probably texted it in. But here's the question: I head a department at a large company in the direct and directly report to a new president. He has a record of turning around companies, has excellent technical background, but zero interpersonal skills. <laughs> Nobody can relate to that. If he doesn't need anything from you at the moment, he treats you as if you're a non-entity. He must be good at what he does, but he acts as if people are only worth as much as their accomplishments and seem to have no human value to him. Everyone in the company feels disposable, and no matter what jobs they fill, they notice the change in the environment. Siri, Alexa, and Cortana now have more manners than management here. <laughs> Unlike, I, I, and then she goes on and, and finally asks this question. I'd like an unbiased view um, of my options before I'm asked to resign. What should I do? And, and that is one where you cannot, you can sit down and talk to a boss, but you cannot single-handedly change a company environment. When someone is known, you know, when, when a CEO and any executive is known for saving a company financially. It's usually, it means cutbacks. It means reducing the staff or loading up people with more work so that two people can do one job. Or I, I just said that backwards. One person can do two jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the other way around. <laughs> two people can yeah. do one job. Everybody gets paid for 40 hours, but they only have to work 20. Yeah, it doesn't right. work that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when you know that that's going to be the corporate culture, you have to decide what do you want? What are you willing to sacrifice? Um, some people are not sensitive to environments, but some people are very sensitive to environments. I've had letters from people saying it started with headaches and then stomach aches. And, you know, now I can't even face going in. Or when I get to work, I feel queasy. You have to listen to your body. Your body's telling you something. And that really means you're not going to change things at work. You you need to start a job search. And being angry about it doesn't help anyone because that happening at work, that may open a door to something much better yeah. and much more suited. And um, every bad experience, I think, opens a door to lessons and new opportunities. And sometimes it's hard to let go that that something bad is happening to you in the moment, but you have to look to the future. I think this should, you should have a daily radio show. Dear Lindsay, I've got a problem at work. Martha's got the next question for you. All righty. So it says, mm-hmm. my boss is not a communicator, and I'm at a loss for how to deal with it. You know the phrase that you don't know what you don't know? Well, I can't ask questions if I don't know what to ask. I like being allowed to work independently, but I'd occasionally like guidance. I hesitate to tell her this because she's insanely busy, too busy to even say hi if she passes in the hall. The crazy busy work atmosphere pervades the department, so I don't feel comfortable asking coworkers either. I'm the newest one in our office, and I think it's important to follow their lead. Any suggestions? Right. Um, when, when you work for somebody... You want to find a happy medium, but this person clearly doesn't, there isn't a happy medium, really. And I think you have to follow somebody's lead. So, um, in other words, if somebody 
only texts you. That tells you right there, you need to text that person. You can't call the person. Someone who is texting doesn't want a phone call. Someone who is emailing doesn't want a phone call. You Mm -hmm. have to follow their mode of communication. And when you violate that, what you're doing is you're alienating the person even further because, because they're sensing that you're not sensing what they want. And, and so you really have to go with the communication. When somebody is not available, then you have to say to yourself, you either catch on, you find someone in your department that you can connect with, because certainly everyone doesn't operate that way. Mm. But if they do, then that's not a good workplace. Um, I think that's why getting to know who you are, getting to know your values is the most critical aspect of finding a job that's going to be what you should be in. I mean, you have to, you have to work at that. Well, I think really what's important, Lindsay Novak, is that people ask questions, take time to pray about it, and really sit down and seek their Heavenly Father for these answers, because not everybody can get a hold of Lindsay Novak, but you can <laughs> check her out online at lindsayparkernovak.com. That's lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, parkernovak.com. And she answers workplace issues. Lindsay, do you enjoy what you do? Oh, I love it. I love helping people. And so um, when I answer people in the column... I, I mean, every thank you email is wonderful. It just, it motivates me, it makes my day, and it makes it worthwhile. Because mm-hmm. you know you're reaching people and you're helping them. It's you, kingdom work. You know, Lindsay, I was just thinking about this. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to communicate to all the bosses everywhere that people just want a better environment, better leadership? You know, some of the things that you talk about um, over and over that you hear that common theme... Um, what would you say if you had the the listening ear of the bosses across the country? What would you say to them based on the uh, um, questions people have asked you over the years? That I think it's good to be honest, but there is a way to be honest and kind mm-hmm. and not honest and cruel. Oh. Um, probably a perfect example was I was speaking to a CEO of a a, a medium-sized company, but international. Mm -hmm. And he was very upset. He had two different female professionals in his office. And when he said when he would criticize them, they would sit and cry. And he hated it. And he, he was complaining. He said, that's so manipulative. And what he wasn't realizing is that women or people in general don't typically cry to manipulate people. They cry because you've hurt their feelings. And some people are more sensitive than others. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who just have a flat rule. There is no crying at work. You do not do this. And, but if so, if a person is in a professional capacity and that person is crying, You've wounded them, mm-hmm. and because nobody wants to be in that position of crying, it's it's embarrassing, and and it's something that you'd like to you know run to the bathroom and cry alone. You don't want to cry in front of somebody, and so I, I would tell the bosses to understand everybody has a different 
personality, a different temperament, a different nature, and you can't treat people like robots. We we are not Alexa and all the other mm-hmm. artificial intelligences they're coming out with. That's not how people operate. You can only do your best and you work with what you have. And if you're sensitive, sure, you can try to tighten up, you know, those emotions and hold it in so that you can release it in private. But but you ha- but the other people on the side of critiquing somebody should take the energy to find a way to say it with kindness or to to say all they have to really do is say how they would like someone to behave mm-hmm. and then leave it up to that person if someone doesn't satisfy a boss then ultimately that's who you're going to have to let go and you, and you just need to say, I don't think our work styles fit each other. But you don't have to tell somebody you're this and you're that and you're a sissy. And it's, you know, people attack people and yes. you really have to get away from that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I love that. All right, here, here's another Dear Lindsay column. I want, you, I want you to bring this out to people's attention because people deal with this all the time. Dear Lindsay... They don't say that, but I like that. I just love the sound of that. Dear Lindsay, I'm under a non-compete agreement, and I'm highly experienced in a specialized area. I know similar companies will also want me to sign a non-compete, but I'm not sure how to handle this since I want to find a new job but stay in the same field. What do you think? Well, non-competes are are a legal issue, and some companies, because you know, state-to-state is different with labor laws, and some companies really follow the law strictly and others don't. So when you're under pressure to sign a non-compete, if it's a legitimate agreement and it's a document and you're going to sign, you're going to be held to it, that company should give you time to find a lawyer, to to get it approved, um, Go to a contract lawyer. Go to a labor and employment lawyer. But you have to have someone to tell you, yes, this is standard. No, this is one-sided. And if a company doesn't allow you time, then that is a red flag right there. And then I would worry. And I, and I would hold off. Because any legitimate company will let you Check with someone because it's it's always a contract. It's a legal issue, and anybody pushing you to sign, back off. So um, I love the fact that people... lawyers, by the way, are good friends to have. <laughs> they are. You're exactly right. And you know, to be able to have one that you can trust to just say, "I need to run this past you," even if you have to pay them, but it's not right. that you need you know a long drawn out you know um, court you know, representation, but maybe just, you know, the well-being of your career kind of representation to say, is it in my best interest to sign this or should I find another um, company that may be willing to hire me? But, you know, um, such a great thing because so many people, you know, they're skilled within an industry. And if they can no longer work within that industry, um, that that can really be crippling for all of the gifts, talents and abilities that people have given them. All right. Now, here's here's the last yeah, one. Gonna... And you don't want to sign your rights away. Yeah. 
No. No, you don't. And, you, and non-competes, but you also, as a Christ follower, if you sign a non-compete, you need to honor your non-compete. Because as a Christ follower, we need to be people of our word. Yeah. So if we if we sign it, we need to abide by it and understand it comes with repercussions. And, and I've been in the insurance field for, a, for many, many years. You sign a non-compete, you need to understand. If you decide to leave your current employer, you're going to have to abide by the terms of the non-compete, provided it was a legal non-compete. And sometimes people ask you to sign things that aren't legal. But right. that doesn't hold up in court. But you still have to go to court and defend it, mm-hmm. and you have to have the money to do that. All right. Now, you've got a couple articles. We're not going to get a chance to read them both, read both the questions. Mm-hmm. But one was from an apartment uh, residential uh, manager, and one was from somebody who rides her bike to work. Both of them had to do with kindness. Talk about mm-hmm. when people... They, they want to be vindictive and people want to, you know, hey, how do I get back at these people for doing this? They treat me poorly or they're doing this. How does kindness pay? Oh, it pays because, and the one you're talking about where the, the woman wanted to find out who this person was and report his behavior to his boss, and she worked at another company. That's clearly vindictive. And my advice would be everything that you want to do, Ask yourself, what do you have to gain and what do you have to lose? When you are vindictive, the person at the other end is is going to be the recipient of your negative behavior, but you're going to also lose respect to the boss who you're reporting the person to because now the person thinks, gee, this person's vindictive. And if she does it to one person, she'd do it to another. And when people are vindictive, they're, they, they get a reputation for being whiners and complainers, and nobody wants to have that kind of reputation, do they? And No, and when you go around someone's back, it shows that you're not trustworthy. And just as you mentioned, you have to be a person of your word. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, someone, if someone's word is meaningless, Whatever a person does to someone, they will do to someone else. It means that they treat everybody uniformly and no one is special, and their word only suits them at that time. Really quickly, how does appreciation play into all of this? Really quickly. Appreciation for everything you have, um, whether it's basic water, food, a safe place to live, um, safe transportation, kind co-workers, a good boss, it all creates happiness. And um, really, that's why we're here. We're here to help people and to lead that. Everyone can lead someone to a happier life. Sure. I love that. Lindsay Novak, thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. Check out Lindsay online at lindsayparkernovak.com. That's lindsayparkernovak.com. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. So much fun having conversations. Check check her out online. Send her a note, lindsayparkernovak.com. If you've got a question she can answer for you, it'd be incredible. Martha, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, and I hope our listeners gained some new insights. (sighs) It's awesome. Check out I Work Rim online and uh, send us an email, maybe. Just check us out on the Contact Us page. You've been listening to I Work Rim with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.